This is the Anglican Perspective Podcast with Canons Phil Ashey and Mark Eldridge of the American Anglican Council. Join us for an in-depth look at building up and defending Great Commission Anglicanism throughout the world by developing faithful leaders, equipping local congregations, and always reforming the church. You can find out more about how we can help you and your churches thrive by visiting www.americananglican.org. Here now is Canon Phil and Canon Mark. Welcome to your Anglican Perspective. Well, hi, and welcome to today's Anglican Perspectives podcast. I'm Canon Mark Eldridge of the American Anglican Council, and I, uh, those of you who have listening to us before, or, or maybe if you're joining us for the first time on this podcast, we talk about the things that the American Anglican Council uh, is interested in, and hopefully you are too, and we're all about building up, defending Great Commission Anglicanism through equipping churches developing faithful leaders and always reforming the church. And today we're excited to, to be with you and uh, talk about the provincial council that's this week. And we're uh, here and excited about, you know, this important week in the life of the ACNA. And, and I'm here with Canon Phil Ashey, who's the president and CEO of the American Anglican Council. And we're just going to talk about what, what are some of the key ideas and key things that are going to be happening uh, at Provincial Council this week. So welcome, Ken and Phil, and why don't you just kind of share what, what are some things that's, uh, that you're thinking about this week? Well, thank you, Mark, and it's great to be uh, with you here in the lovely mountains of uh, North Carolina at the Billy Graham Training Center, where, where this whole week uh, the province meets. Um, Monday, of course, is, uh, is the day that Executive Committee meets. They're the the body that carries on the work um, of, of provincial council, all of the program and budget and everything, kind of like the vestry of the province, if you will. And they meet right before provincial council. And then, of course, uh, Tuesday and, and, and Wednesday is when provincial council meets. And there's uh, lots of business sessions. We can talk a little bit about what they'll be doing. And then uh, they'll, uh, they'll conclude in the afternoon on, on Wednesday and then uh, beginning Wednesday evening and through Friday about, uh, about noon, the uh, College of Bishops meets. So you have really uh, all of the, the different branches, uh, if you will, of the mm -hmm. Church in North America meeting in this, this one week that we do every, every year. Uh, and there's lots of important issues that I think uh, are going to be considered by provincial council and by what, what are some of the things that I'm, you know, uh, just what's someone listening or lay, a lay leader Anglican out there, uh, like what, what's this matter? What, so what are, what are some of the things that you think are going to be the, the big issues or something that people are going to be like, I want to know what happens with that or sure. that kind of thing? Yeah, so. Um, I think that kind of the big global issues that we're, uh, that we're looking at is, are, num number one, how do we balance our uh, commitment to biblical truth and to our Anglican heritage that shapes the way we, we preach and teach and guard uh, and restate that truth. How do we balance that with the missional challenges in our culture today? There's a real tension there. And yeah. I, I think, you know, that's erupted a little bit over the bishop's uh, pastoral statement on human identity and sexuality, 
with um, people taking various positions on that. Uh, and I think that that raises some deeper issues too. What, what is the teaching role of the bishops? Oh yeah. Um, uh, and then what kinds of standards uh, are we going to set for people coming in and being ministers, you know, deacons, rectors, associates, uh, we've got a lot of people coming in from outside the Anglican Church in North America who, who know nothing about our history. And sometimes I think there's a reluctance to expose them to those kinds of things. We just want to get them out there. And if they're, you know, if they're committed to leading people to Jesus, it's just kind of let's, let's just tap, pat, bless them and send them out. Right. But, but does that really serve us well when it comes to the, the, the difficult challenges of running a congregation and interacting with a bishop and the way that we, that we do church as Anglicans? So those are just some of the, some of the issues, I think. Yeah, well that, those are pretty big issues. So I'm, I'm glad those will be hopefully be addressed and addressed in a, in a healthy, good way. I, 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 I'm, as those of you who know, uh, you know, what, what we're about and you know, have listened to me before, you know that I'm passionate about mission and, and being about the mission and evangelism. But man, I, I'm so thankful for our history in terms of like leaving the Episcopal Church and having have gone through all those battles to, to create this, this uh, biblically faithful um, ACNA uh, that we're a part of. And, and those, that history matters. And I, it, so I guess I'm, what I'm trying to say is like, it, it, that matters in the sense of the, uh, the issues that we're facing today, if you had lived through the Episcopal battles, you would see so clearly that it's the same battle, you know, our culture is trying to force in onto the church, the same strategies the, the, that, that the Episcopal church uses, the same strategies that the world's using to push the church uh, away from biblical morality, et cetera. So, Having lived through it, you, you can see that what's going on. But if you didn't live through that, um, I think it's I can see how people could kind of be deceived and not not know uh, just how deceptive some of the the arguments are. I don't know if I'm making sense there, but I'm uh, thankful for our history. My point is we need we need to not forget it. Well, I think it was the great um, historian Santayana who said those um, who are ignorant of history are doomed to repeat it. Yeah. And I'm thinking, Mark, just, you know, uh, of your comment about how grateful it is to, to, to be aware of history and to understand the historical context. I find it very interesting, for instance, that among people who are new to Anglicanism and who love N.T. Wright and who doesn't love uh, so much of what N.T. Wright does, and his emphasis on the sovereignty of God, and the fact that we can, we, we have confidence that God is not surprised by anything, you know, and, and I, I, I remember around these discussions of human sexuality 35 years ago when I was a seminarian mm -hmm. at General Theological Seminary, and I was- God bless you. Uh, yeah, oh God. <laughs> uh, that's a story in and of itself, Mark, but anyway, uh, there I was, and I found one fabulous church that I was a part of, All Angels, on the Upper West Side. And it was a congregation 
that had a lot of sexually broken people in it and some people in same-sex partnered relationships. And I remember uh, asking my wonderful mentor, uh, Carol Anderson, um, what, what we do about those kinds of things. And I remember her saying, oh my gosh, you know, we don't have to worry about that because God is in control. He's sovereign. Our job is to just bring people to Jesus and he will sort out the sexuality questions. And you know, Mark, I love that because number one, it took me off the hook. You know, I didn't have to say anything. All I had to do is just love people and talk with them about Jesus. But over the years, that, that mindset ultimately turned into, well, let's just welcome people and accept them where they are. Right. And eventually, even my mentor ended up running the first um, gay alpha, openly gay alpha, wow. at, um, All Saints Beverly Hills. And I love Carol, and I still do. But, but you know, we have taken a very principled stand on, on matters of sexuality. And in a sexualizing culture where people are increasingly becoming refugees of the broken promises, we need to be very clear about the healing and wholeness that we offer. Right. Well, and even in that statement, well, well, you know, God will sort out the sexuality issues. I mean, that's just even a, a you know, a false starting point in that he's not, God will store, sort out the sexuality issues. God has sorted out the sexuality issues. It's called the Bible. You know, he's revealed right. that. Is that like, hmm, let's yeah. figure this out. What would God say about these things? Um, he's already sorted it out. It, I, I had the privilege this uh, this last week to be a part of the uh, REC's uh, yes. general council, and I was had the privilege of sharing with them about church revitalization. And uh, and but it would but it just reminded me of uh, Bishop Sutton, presiding bishop of the REC, gave an amazing address, which I think is uh, going to is it's out publicly now. If people can yes. find it at the uh, at the REC website and probably other places, but he gave a great address addressing some of these things. But um, it, it, he contrasted uh, in a very loving way, but 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 like uh, critical race theory. Yes. Uh, but but contrasted it to to what he called biblical race theology. Yeah. And and I so I'm I'm stealing that right now. But it, you know CRT versus BRT. You know yeah. critical race theory is a is a theory based on human, you know, secular humanistic thinking. You know, that's a that's a theory that comes out of secularism, where biblical race theology is theology, it's it's, it's view of race that's grounded in theology, which isn't a theory, it's true. Yes. Um, and yeah. so I just, I, and, I, and forgive me, Bishop Sutton, if you're hearing this, and I'm not capturing exactly the way he said it, but I just love that contrast. See, we know what God said, and if you start looking at all of these issues from uh, from the biblical theology of creation, um, then it, then it, it all makes much more sense as opposed to well, I think this or I think that or this group thinks well, God created anyway. It's you start with creation and you start with God, not what do I think. Yeah. So anyway, I just that, that was uh, great, but yeah. It, it, and you know what, Mark, we're going to be taking um, excerpts of Bishop Sutton's remarks on both sexuality and, um, and race theory and publishing them in, over the next couple of weeks on our AAC website, because right. um, not only are they brilliant and so well thought out, but uh, Bishop 
Sutton, I'm proud to say, is one of our trustees. And so mm -hmm. his influence on our thinking has been very profound. I think there's, you know, from a missional standpoint, Mark, one of the, one of the issues that's going to come up in provincial council and the College of Bishops is how do we promote mission geographically okay. in a diocese? And we've sort of had this moratorium on dioceses, uh, forming new dioceses, but we've got this new canon on missionary districts that we passed, and we're going to be test driving that with a new missionary district in Northeast Texas that's, okay. uh, that's being uh, sponsored by the Diocese of Fort Worth. But there are other missionary districts out there that are being explored and pulled together, like in, um, you know, there's discussions among Western Anglicans in the Eastern part of the Rockies. And so um, we have this kind of, we, we've been stuck too in the, the overlapping jurisdictions um, because of our differences over women's ordination. And we're looking at missionary districts as a way of um, getting past uh, getting past that and saying, look, um, we're always going to have overlapping jurisdictions because of differences on on women in ministry. But can we find a way to consolidate uh, and and really focus, like it says in Acts one eight, when Jesus says you're going to receive the Holy Spirit, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, you know, he talked geographically mm -hmm. and how are we going to do that? How are we going to take a place like Northeast Texas or the Eastern Rockies or the middle of the United States and really do the kind of church planting and church revitalization work that you're doing? Yeah, that sounds great. I mean, in other words, how do we work together more strategically for mission uh -huh. as the ACNA, yeah. but without uh, ignoring um, legitimate disagreements on, on, on various issues. Is that sure. what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, Is there a way we can say, look, uh, and, and kudos to Ryan, Bishop Ryan Reed, another board member, I'll say. Yes. Yes. On the Anglo Catholic spectrum on Holy orders and Bishop Todd Hunter on, uh, on the other working together, to say, let's see if we can get this missionary district going, and um, you know, we'll 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 find ways to honor both practices uh, in terms of leading churches. So, um, I, I'm I'm hopeful that will be a, a topic of discussion in the College of Bishops, um, and then this will come up for approval at provincial council next year. Uh, since it's already been approved, uh, the missionary district for Northeast Texas has already been approved by executive committee. So it's all good. That, yeah. that would be a very positive development. That's good. That's good. Yeah. So from, Mark, from your standpoint, from the ground level, you know, church revitalization, what, what are the kinds of things you think the lay leaders and clergy that you're, um, that you're working with are going to be hopeful that come out of this week of the national church meeting. Well, I mean, I'm I'm always hopeful for um, the the elevation of the the need for church revitalization. Yeah. Um, just just the conversation around it, and that we we must do something about this need. I, uh, nothing against the, the the emphasis on church planting, which I'm all for church planting. We need to talk about that 
repeatedly because we're not planting enough churches. Uh, but but we also need to right up there with that conversation continually talk about church revitalization, which which is happening. And I, I noticed a real shift um, right before COVID hit that there was a real uh, across the province and among the bishops a lot more. Uh, conversation around we really need to address church revitalization yes and under my my phone was ringing a little more you know more about it that kind of thing and then um and then COVID hit and every kind of you know just as we all know kind of took a pause on so many things but um that that momentum towards revitalization is coming back and so uh, and 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 I don't think anybody's uh making a case that that churches that were in decline or uh, plateaued prior to COVID have magically uh turned around and are thriving. So, so the revitalization is, is, is much or more of a need now than it was even a year ago. So the point is, I, I, I'm hoping that the conversations there and that, and that bishops and leaders of diocese will, will um, be engaging with us on um, diocesan strategies, because we can help a church here and a church there, which we do, and, and the, we want to do as much of that as possible. But the need is so great if we can help dioceses have diocesan-wide strategies of assessments and and uh, revitalization training and coaching uh, to just really see as many of the churches as possible start getting back on that path of of, of thriving uh, again. Yeah. So, so that, that would be my my heart. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, Mark, I'm going to brag on you a little bit here and on Francis, our director of communications, that. You know, in the report that's uh, going to go to provincial council, all the things, incredible things that AAC has been able to accomplish in the last year by just shifting, as you did, to providing these resources online uh, and, and going where possible even to do church revitalization on site, mm-hmm. uh, doing all these seminars and webinars with people like Jeff Chapman. Uh, and, you know, addressing the, the leadership issues. And can you say a little something about your partnership with, with Bishop Thad Barnum and uh, yeah. clergy recovery groups? I was just going to say that too. It's also on my mind this week because, um, uh, well, you mentioned Jeff and, and our working with Jeff Chapman on these clergy care groups. Um, and we've got, I, I think it's well over 120 clergy and in, in clergy covenant groups across the province. And those are coming great. But we've we've learned through that, that there's, there's some th- those are so helpful, but but sometimes other issues come up that that need help beyond um, a, a standard clergy covenant care group. Particularly thinking about areas of recovery that a clergy person might need in some sort of an addictive behavior that they're self medicating, you know, in, yeah. in some unhelpful way. And um, and so and then Bishop Thad, as you mentioned, he has been doing a lot of what you might call crisis clergy care with clergy that are in some sort of a crisis. And, and so and often enough that involves some sort of an addictive habit that that is prop, cropped up. And so so we've been partnering with with Bishop Thad and how do we provide what we're going what we're calling clergy recovery care groups for yeah. those clergy who need just a, a little extra help beyond what they're getting in either the clergy care group covenant groups or the um, or the one-on-one crisis care. So, so yeah, we're excited. We're, we're planning to launch um, two groups in the fall, one for those who are struggling with sexual addictions and then one who are struggling. I call it the A to Z group that are struggling from, you know, with addictive habits from anything else from A to Z. 
Um, and so again, we'll be promoting these more, but we're hoping to kind of get the word out about those and they'll be safe, safe groups, anonymous groups yes. um, that, that, uh, that a clergy person can get real help uh, right. without fear of, of losing their ministry. Yeah. Yeah. So we're excited to be able to offer that and, uh, and hopefully get the word out. And we want bishops to know that if they've got clergy people that are under their care, that there's going to be some, another resource available that they can point them to. Yeah. See, I think, um, again, I'll just point our listeners to the report that uh, we, we have to provincial council. This, these two areas, leadership development and church revitalization are critical areas of our province that um, are going to come up at provincial council and certainly at college of bishops. One other key area we're involved in is governance and the reform of the church. And so at least two, I, I'm, I'm willing to bet at least one, possibly two of the six business sessions uh, at provincial council will be going through the report of the governance task force. Uh, and these are always um, challenging issues about amending are uh, the way we make decisions, the way we do business as Anglicans. Um, part of the issues that we're addressing in these reports that have gone out to all the delegates and uh, we've, we've posted them on our website by video, we've gone through rounds of, of drafting and redrafting. A lot of it has to do with uh, Episcopal ministry, uh, for lack of a better term. Um, the ministry of bishops and their key role, um, how are they elected? Um, how do we determine whether a diocese is, uh, is healthy enough uh, to, uh, to continue to, uh, to elect a successor? What are the criteria for healthiness and growth? Um, when we look at candidates, whom we're electing at a diocesan level uh, to be bishops. And we say that they must grow the church because that's a criteria in mm -hmm. Title III Canon 8 for being a bishop. They have to have demonstrated what it means to grow the church. What does that actually look like? Um, so the bishops have an idea of what that looks like, but are they communicating that down to the standing committees that are actually gonna interview and elect these candidates? Uh, and then when bishops mess up, and we've already had some, some situations mm -hmm. where we are walking in the light and, uh, and, and being as transparent as we can, how do we deal with those very tender and sensitive um, problems when, when leaders at the highest level experience moral failure or burnout and the damage that can do to, to the diocese? How do, we, how do we allow the archbishop to play a constructive role without giving him the kind of unchecked power that corrupted the presiding bishop in the Episcopal Church? Mm -hmm. so those are all very, those are the kinds of issues that we'll be addressing at this provincial council. Pretty, pretty uh, difficult and challenging issues, huh? Yeah. Other than that, there's really not much going on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but so, 
but the American Anglican Council is right in the middle of all of it, right? Absolutely. Well, that's what we do. That's that's why we exist and what we do, and then particularly the always reforming part. Um, uh, well, developing faithful leaders and equipping the church. Well, we'll be focusing on all of that um, here this week. So, um, well, we're going to be here. We'll, we'll, uh, uh, Francis, our director of communication, will be here. We'll be uh, sort of paying close attention and helping out where we can. And uh, I'm sure we'll give some reports coming out, you know, in a week or so of, of what what happened and what were some of the results or key key thoughts. Thoughts. So, please stay tuned. Keep listening into these. Anglican Perspective podcast. If you're not already receiving our our weekly newsletter that has articles on on all these topics and more, you can get that from uh, go to AmericanAnglican.org, and um, and click on the sign up for our newsletter. Uh, but we'd love to just uh, have you keep checking in, and we'll look forward to uh, being with you next time. So thanks, Ken and Phil, and um, and uh, thanks everyone for listening. God bless, and we'll hopefully. Talk to you soon. God bless you and thank you for listening in. You've been listening to your Anglican Perspective with Ken and Phil and Ken and Mark of the American Anglican Council. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and share it so that biblically faithful and orthodox Anglicans can stay connected to the latest news, updates, and inspirations from around the world.